or evening. Um, we're starting off the day right now. Glad you're tuning in, catching this later in the day. Hope it's been a good day. Anyways, I wanted over the next few months maybe, uh, just walk through the book of Daniel with you guys. We've been studying at Freedom Fellowship, the book of Revelation. And if you study Revelation, there are questions uh, that hang out there. And that's one thing I love when it comes to the Word of God. Um, we can interpret the scriptures by the scriptures because the Bible is actually 66 different books. And one of those 66 books is Daniel. And I love Daniel. It really is a key to understanding Revelation. They go together. And Daniel... Uh, talk about a powerful prophet of God. Uh, they refer to him as one of the minor prophets, but he is major in every way because he spoke so much to things that would concern our Savior coming to this world, Messiah in person. And then he spoke so much to last day events. And we see a lot of those things unfolding today. And he talks about the man of sin, the Antichrist will rise in the seven year tribulation we have all those things so i wanted to look at some of this uh last day eschatology uh theology with you guys making some of those connections but i want to walk through the book of daniel over the next uh, few weeks or whatever the lord would have uh, i don't know when i'm going to do them just when we have some time and i'm only going to look at a few verses this morning so if you have your bible open up to daniel chapter 9 you might be asking why are you wearing a coat um, spring is here. Uh, well, it's chilly this morning, and it's very. I'm hanging out at the church uh, building, and it's pretty chilly. But I want to look at Daniel uh, just for a second. I like him as a man, stand-up guy, man of integrity. Uh, but he differs from the other prophets that we read about in the scriptures. You see, other prophets really um, were a guide to the people. Um, God spoke uh, to them or through them. Uh, his word, and a lot of times they would give direct rebukes uh, or encouragement, whatever was needed, whatever God had for the people uh, to deal with sin or rebellion or whatever was going to come. There were warnings often of coming judgment unless they would repent um, and they would urge repentance. And then we come to the book of Daniel and the prophet there, instead of focusing on man's responsibility one thing that is beautiful in Daniel it really speaks to the sovereignty of God and his intervention in light of man's uh, responsibility free will God is sovereign and it's so cool when we see uh, the scripture speak to how he still works his purposes uh, into world events in our lives uh, really despite us you know we're still free agents we have free will we have choices to make but he's still doing his thing that's how big our god is and i, I love it so daniel writes a lot about countries and kings that hadn't even uh, come about even existed yet um, greece is spoken of the medo-persian empire actually first hadn't even yet been formed uh, when he was prophesying to them. And we know of Alexander the Great there with Greece, his four generals that would take, uh, take his place after him. Just so much detail, uh, not vague prophecy. That's one thing I love about the Bible, guys. Uh, it's not vague. We know of Gene Dixon or Notre Damas. They have so many crazy prophecies. They're so vague if you actually read any of them. At least I feel that way because I've, I'm a student of, 
of the Bible of prophecy, and I see, um, yeah, this isn't even recording, is it? Oh, it is recording. Oh, good, I can carry on. <laughs> uh, but that's one of those things I see with uh, studying prophecy in Scripture is so specific. It is awesome. Anyways, the purpose that Daniel wrote uh, really was to encourage God's people with the glorious future that was set before them and all that he had planned for them. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, I, I enjoy reading him once in a while. Uh, I took a th uh, uh, scroll through his commentary here on Daniel quickly. He said, the book of Daniel is more than stories about fiery furnaces, lion's dens, and fantastic dreams. It's about seeing God for who he is, the sovereign ruler of all nations, and living with in, or living for him with integrity and faith. That's pretty cool. So I, I think as we consider, you're going to see how um, Daniel really shows God's guidance, his intervention, and his power in the affairs of men. Now, if you look at the book as a whole, the different divisions that we find, the first six chapters really deal with Daniel's life. Um, each event highlights uh, a showdown between the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the first uh, six chapters there uh, speak to those things. And then we have six more chapters that contain a lot of those prophetic visions uh, of Daniel's of the future. And nine out of the 12 chapters deal with dreams and visions. Also, Daniel wrote uh, chapter one, in Hebrew, that's what most of the Old Testament is written in. And then chapters 2 through 7 were written in Aramaic, and hardly any of the Bible is written in that. And then we have chapters 8 uh, through 12 in Hebrew again. And some people ask, why the change in the language? Why would he do that? Maybe it was to target uh, the message to the Gentile world. And as we look at those chapters 2 to 7, Pay attention, maybe from a Gentile mindset, which is easy for most of us um, to get. But anyways, um, we need to know that there uh, they spoke uh, Chaldean. Okay, Chaldea was a district there of, of Babylon. You may know from your studies of Genesis and Abraham was actually from there. Uh, it would be present day Iraq. They spoke and they wrote in Aramaic during that time and they had domination of the world uh, for about three centuries earlier. So Daniel, his name means God is my judge. He was a man of integrity, uh, a model of godliness for his people. Uh, he was deported to Babylon from Judah when he was a teenager. Uh, so a young man, slave. Uh, he was handpicked uh, by the government of the day uh, to to serve there and it's so cool because his ministry for 70 years uh, spanned that entire time of captivity while he was in Babylon um, so some of you guys man I'm here serving why here do I ever get to go back home well God might have you there your entire life uh, he was also one of the two Old Testament writers who wrote during the exile. Uh, do any of you guys know who the other one was? Ezekiel. 
That's right, I know somebody got it. So Assyria was the world ruler, um, 7th, 8th uh, century BC during that time. Uh, Nabopolazar, uh, he was uh, in power governing the area of the Persian Gulf, um, as we would know it today. He freed Babylon from the Syrians in 626 BC. He was made king and uh, continued victories over Assyria in 612 BC, their capital. Anybody know what that is? Nineveh. You see how a lot of these prophets actually fit together? Um, not uh, content there. They wanted the whole Assyrian Empire. And then Egypt gets involved. So uh, he heads north at that time to cut them off. And he has to deal with Judah at Megiddo. Uh, Megiddo, sorry. Um, the Egyptians win there. A uh, big battle ensues. Uh, there, Egypt versus Babylon. Egypt then loses. Babylon eventually goes south and attacks uh, Judah there. And then uh, Israel already is a captive at that point um, in Assyria. But the book of Jeremiah kept warning of this. Okay, God sent word to his people that this was going to come down uh, and it was going to happen. And he spoke a lot through Jeremiah uh, about what was going to take place there. And the Babylonian war policy was not only to destroy, but really to plunder, to weaken their subjects. So uh, to deport their leading citizens uh, there. And there were three different stages. And why am I giving all this background? Because it's going to help us lay a little bit of foundation as we get into the book uh, moving forward of, of Daniel uh, to understand what was going on with Israel with Judah during that time and their time in captivity and what the different prophets uh, had been prophesying uh, beforehand. But we know that Daniel was part of that first exile. Again, there were three parts to it. Um, that deportation, 606 B.C. The second one is where Ezekiel, he was a part of that one. And then we have the third one, exile. And that's where we have Nebuchadnezzar now. He destroys Jerusalem, and he burned it all the way to the ground, utterly destroyed. And he left the poor uh, to work there, to work the ground. And why these three stages, uh, you may ask? Well, Nebuchadnezzar was uh, Nabopolazar's son. Okay, uh, Nabi died while Nabi was first in Jerusalem. Now uh, Nebuchadnezzar ran home when his dad passed to take the throne. And, his, and history tells us they actually have these tablets that they had found. Uh, I think it's in the British Museum that recount all of this. It's pretty cool. But let's get into Daniel. I could talk all day about the, the history of it. Uh, let's look at verses 1 and 2. This is him being... Uh, deported. In verse 1 of Daniel 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. So what was the author's view on how or why events in our world occur? Well, 
Ouch. <laughs> Did you guys catch it? it? It was the Lord's doing. It was of the Lord, we're told. So just as Jeremiah had been preaching, 40 years preaching this message, we see it happen. You guys can look later. Jeremiah chapter 29. Oh, verse 11. I know that one. God has a future and a hope for us. But look at the first 14 verses of that whole chapter. Uh, Jeremiah told how uh, to live when they would be deported um, as the Jewish people. You see, 490 years they lived in the land, but they never gave the land a sabbatical rest that God had told them. So they were supposed to do that every seven years. So 490 divided by 70 gives you what? 70. Thus, 70 years they owed to God. They didn't give the land rest. 70 years they owed to God. So when we keep to ourselves what belongs to God, we eventually either spend it or we lose it. Um, question for you and I, uh, were the Jews to believe that while they were in Nebuchadnezzar's brutal hands, that they were still in God's hands? What do you think about that? The book of Daniel affirms this to you and I with a resounding, yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's one thing that I love, even though they were uh, in slavery, okay, they were still in the hand of God. Um, he would walk with them through the valley of the shadow of discipline. Some of you guys feel like you're going through the valley right now. Um, God made me allowing this for our discipline. And that's one thing I really do see, church. We pray for a revival. And I think if you look at all the different people groups um, in the world, I think what's going on right now, global shutdown, I think is going to have more of an effect upon the church than any other group of people worldwide. I don't know that for sure, uh, but I just have a feeling. I see revival taking place. I see people reprioritizing. I think the way we're going to approach how we minister and do church is going to look different. We're on a mission, and I just feel like we've become, at least here in the West, way too comfortable in our church. Some of you guys are even tripping because you can't go to church. That's comfortable. I want to be back at that building with my brothers and sisters. Yeah, me too. Um, that is the comfortable thing. But I think God is stretching us right now. And in it, he's disciplining us in good ways. And that's really what we see with the uh, life of Daniel. And that's, let me share a quote here by A.W. Tozer. I love Tozer. He says, We must face the fact that many today are notoriously careless in their living. This attitude finds it way into the church. And we have liberty. We have money. We live in a comparative luxury. As a result, discipline practically has disappeared. Woo! So, yeah. Tozer agrees with me, too. Awesome. So, what, let's say, my son Uriah, who plays the violin, um, what would it be like if, uh, he took his musical instruments and he comes out and dad, I got this new song I'm learning. I've practiced. Let me share it with you. I'm good to go. It sounds good now. 
Um, and that's how it's been for my son, okay? It, it's hard in the house listening to him to learning a new song. It's, it's hard on the ears, but once he has it down, it's beautiful. But what if he came out, Dad, I got this new song, I'm practiced up, I'm set to go. And he goes to play, but all of his strings are loose, okay? Is it going to be a beautiful song to listen to? Absolutely not. They need to be stretched tight. Discipline. That's what it's called. Pretty cool. You're right. I don't know if you're going to watch that, but hey, buddy, uh, you learned something. That's cool. So anyways, God moves people and events according to divine purposes. You guys know that God has purposes? Absolutely. Yet Daniel will prove, guys, that even a small minority in a foreign land that he still could trust and serve the Lord with integrity and also faith in a world that was really compromised in fear, okay? <laughs> uh, so can we. A lot of people, man, our rights are being taken. Things are being compromised. Fear is getting the best of them. Can I still live? Can I still fight? Absolutely. So some kids, they want to think, hey, once I get out of the house, uh, then I can finally have my way. I can have my freedom. And it turns out that they just end up in a big bag of bondage, okay? We think sometimes that, you know, it's just once we can get back out there or on our own and do our own thing again, it's going to be all good. Well, Daniel really proved for you and I that his faith wasn't just because he lived at home with mom and daddy, okay? Uh, his faith was the real deal. So wherever we are deported or in our case, may we, you know, we might move to or have to relocate because of a job, nothing should shake our faith, okay? My younger brothers and sisters, if you're going to be going off to college, nothing should shake your faith. Let's look at verses 3 and 4 here, okay? Because Daniel's going to be, or they're going to try to indoctrinate him. The king, the king instructed as uh, Phanaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So King Nebuchadnezzar here sought really the cream of the crop. That's what they're referred to often. The young um, upstarts from this new batch of captives who can come and serve in my palace. I want the best of the best. Get them. So the Chaldeans, they were um, very learned for their day, well educated in the sciences, mathematics, astronomy, astrology, uh, divinations, rituals. They had their stuff. Um, so how do we protect our minds uh, from the Babylonian uh, brainwashing. And again, Babylon in scripture is always a picture of the world. So the world is, it's got a lot to say. And too many of us are listening intently to what they're saying. And some of us, that's the only voice that we're hearing. But how do we protect our minds from brainwashing? 
Well, I believe if we keep our heart, and that's what God cares about. He cares about our hearts. Uh, if they are washed, okay, by the word, aren't we told in Ephesians, okay, um, it'll prevent brainwash. I truly believe that. Proverbs 4, verse 23 tells us, keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it spring the issues of life, okay? That's why God asks us, okay, take care of your heart. Make sure it is right before me. And how, how do we do that? Well, our hearts are deceitful and wicked above all things. That's where we go to the Word of God because it is, it's alive. It's able to discern. It's able to get in there and show us what the intents of our heart really are and pray that God would reveal what's really going on in my heart. What are my intentions? What am I really thinking? So if your heart is right with him, I believe that his hand will work for you. Um, and we definitely see that in Daniel's life. There's favor there. Uh, we ought to be able to learn just about any uh, subject in our colleges, in our universities today without being defiled, without being brainwashed. And I know so many parents are scared to send their kids off to university because, man, they're going to have a professor that's going to lead them astray. They're going to be lied to. You know, even our, our public schools, you know, I know some of you that weighs heavy upon you, your children being in the world. And yeah, we are called to protect, to train our child in the way that they should go. But if we're doing our job rightly, they will be trained, that they won't be able to be brainwashed by the lies of this world. Um, so what tactics are used today to teach us a different worldview? I think it's really good to be aware of our enemy's um, tactics, his weapons of warfare, uh, to recognize uh, where they're coming from. Also, what can we do to protect our Christian worldview? Um, I think things like this, studying uh, together the Word of God, reasoning together with the Lord, uh, reading the scriptures on a daily basis, renew your mind, okay, that will help us be a living sacrifice for our God. Uh, when you know the truth, the truth's going to set you free. Uh, we need to bring things back to what do you say, God? What is truth? What is right? Um, anyways, let's move on. Daniel, uh, let's take a look at his diet here in verse 5. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. Those sound yummy. <laughs> and of wine, which they drank, or which he drank. In three years of training, wow, that's a long time uh, for them. So they, at the end of the time, that they might serve before the king. So there's a crisis of conscience that's taking place here in young Daniel's life um, when he's served his first meal. Maybe it was pork chops, we know that Jews don't eat uh, pig, or maybe it was meat that was offered to idols. We don't know, but these delicacies, and let me tell you what, guys, every temptation that comes to me, it's packaged good. <laughs> it looks good. Um, we need to sift all activities through God's filter, through the Word of God. Um, pour through the Bible, guys. So important for us to do. We need to know His Word so when this stuff comes, uh, we know what's right, okay, what's wrong. I want to share an illustration with you guys. Uh, there's two ways of handling pressure. 
One is illustrated by the Pathosphere. Okay, it's a miniature submarine used to explore the ocean in places so deep that water pressure would crush a conventional submarine like an aluminum can. So the uh, Bathosphere's uh, they compensate with a plate of steel that's actually several inches uh, thick, which keeps the water out and also makes them very heavy. And because they're so heavy, very hard to maneuver. Inside, it's cramped when these crafts uh, descend to the ocean floor. However, they find uh, they're not alone down there. Okay, with their lights turned on, they look through a very tiny... Uh, thick plate, window, glass, okay? Uh, and what do they see down there? Fish. That's amazing. These fish cope with these extreme uh, pressures in a very different way. They don't build real thick skin. Uh, they remain very flexible and free. They compensate for outside pressure through equal or opposite press pressure in inside themselves. So that makes me th <laughs> think about us as... Christians, we likewise, we don't have to be hard or thick-skinned as long as we have the appropriate amount of God's power, okay? Doesn't he live within us? God's power uh, equal to the pressure that's without? And that's what he's given us. He's, he's made us more than conquerors, guys. Um, we've been given much in Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. So in this world, we could really trip, okay? We can be very fearful, um, but man, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Um, moving on, let's look at Daniel here. He's, he's renamed, verse six. Now, from those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and Hananiah, Shadrach, and Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. And again, as I mentioned before, Daniel's name meant what? Right? God is my judge. Uh, so he becomes Belteshazzar. Bel, protect his life. And Bel is the Babylonian god. Hananiah, his name was Jehovah is gracious, and he becomes Shadrach, the command of the moon god. Mishael, who is like God, becomes Meshach, who is like Aku, another heathen god. And Azariah, Jehovah is my helper, becomes Abednego, the servant of Nego, another heathen god. So most likely the Babylonians hope that uh, this would help them forget their God. If we change your name, okay? Uh, that was part of uh, helping them with that Babylonian brainwashing going on. If I call you a different name, um, you're going to think differently. Well, that shouldn't be the case, guys. People can call us whatever they want. Bible thumper, Jesus freak, shorty, fora. It doesn't matter what people call you. Okay, you are who you are. And if you are in Christ Jesus, you are a Christian. You are a believer. You are a follower. You are one of his kids. You are a saint. And we stand in that truth. 
And let me tell you what, people are going to call us names. I've been called a lot of things for following Christ. Uh, it's just part of life. But nothing should shake our faith. Nothing. So not a new home, not new knowledge, not a new diet, a new virus, nor a new name. So nothing should separate us from the love of Christ. And I think that's probably a good place to end. We've uh, been going for a little while here. But here's just a little intro to Daniel. Hopefully in the next few days uh, we'll do this again. Maybe wrap up the rest of the chapter. The next verse there in verse 8 is uh, one of my favorites. I've used it personally in my life. I've shared it a lot in ministry. When I was in the jail, I felt like I was sharing uh, Daniel 1.8 on a regular basis but we'll look at that next time in the reality of confronting our culture uh really with convictions and i look forward to that but before we wrap up i'd like to just pray uh, for you real quick father in heaven thank you for this time this morning thank you so much for your word thank you for the example of daniel thank you that your word speaks to us even today it's still speaking about things uh, going on right now in, that are right around the corner. Um, and you've spoken these things to us that we may have peace. And I would pray that for my brothers and sisters today, that your peace that surpasses all understanding would be with them, Father. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys.